Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, gearheads. We are excited for tonight's show. We've had some incredible racing this weekend. Just sat through uh, a little longer than I expected IndyCar race. Yeah, a little you, delay at the beginning. And yeah, uh, I, missed, I missed the beginning. You know, I heard Jonathan was going to get to be the celebrity driver for the pace car, and I turned on late and missed it. How'd he do? do? He did a great job. He only hit the wall once in the ZR1 in the new 700. But there's only like two of those right now, right? (laughs) You know, that ZR1 probably had almost as much horsepower as those Indy cars out there. What is it, 700 and I think it's 700 plus. you got to beat the uh, Mopar family, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is John Massengill. That was Les Kaiser. Jonathan Green has been at Indy. All day and is getting on a plane right now. So he's not going to be on the show tonight. Not in the pace car. Let's just be clear. But we are going to have someone from Indy on the show tonight. We got the winner, Ryan Hunter Ray's coming on the show probably in about about 30 or 40 minutes. And we're really excited to get the winner of the Indy car race this week. And man, what a race with with uh, with Alexander Rossi in the end. But also before we jump into that. Uh, we're also going to talk about MotoGP because the Italian Grand Prix was Ooh. on and Ducati. Wow. Did they look How dominant? That? And, you know, oh, that was just amazing. And in fact, we've got a Ducati expert because Vito from Ducati Austin, I know he's a sponsor and don't take this wrong, but he is a fantastic expert on MotoGP and all Good. things Ducati. Because there's a technical question I have about some of Jorge's comments. So we're going to ask Vito when he comes Yeah, well, on. Vito's going to come on right after the next, uh, in the next segment, top of the next segment. So we're going to talk MotoGP in a few minutes. And of course, IndyCar, let's jump into this because uh, 70 laps, right? And it was pretty crazy to start the race because it was delayed, what, 40 minutes because if you didn't see it, the brand spanking new electric blue Corvette ZR1 as the pace car coming over one of the turns that's got a little bump in the road, lost it, and hit the wall really hard, actually. Thank goodness it was a GM executive driving. <laughs> you know, I, I, my first thought was that was going to be, that could be dangerous, but uh, they both guys got out, and it was, it was a GM executive. I'll look at his name. I think it's Mark Reese. And yeah. I recognize hmm. his name. He's been a GM a long time. He's, uh, I think he's moved up through the rank. I think he's in, in the performance division now, oh which boy. one of the perks is that you get to, you used to get to uh, drive the pace car at Indy. I don't know. I think that's going to happen anymore. Well, you know, I, I've got some friends at GM. And, you know, what's really interesting is because if you're in the right role and position, General Motors provides you a vehicle. And one of them was like, I get the choice of the new CTS. Or I get the choice of, of your basic new Corvette. I wonder what he's going to drive to work tomorrow. 
Does Geo, is GM still on Geo? <laughs> Geo Metro. <laughs> Geo Metro. Hey, that three-cylinder wonder. <laughs> yeah, the one-liter three-cylinder. Oh, man. But, yeah, that. so that's how the IndyCar race started with the pace car slamming into the wall. And, of course, IndyCars don't have starters on board. And it was funny because Alexander Rossi got to go because he was right behind the car yeah, uh, he- when it happened. So he went around the car when it crashed. And, and then, but everybody else had to stop. And so it took them almost 40 minutes to get all that, to get the, the car off, the, the pace car off the track, get all the debris swept up, and then get all the cars started and back around to the starting line. And thankfully, there was a second ZR1 parked in the paddock and they rolled it out. Yeah. You always want to do that. Yeah, Hopefully not for that reason, but... Uh, I, I always keep a spare Corvette see, ZR1 yeah, yeah. around the house. But so, anyway, so the race, uh, Alexander Rossi <clears throat> was on pole. Uh, he was on pole from the qualifying this morning in the wet, so he did a great job this morning. And he did a great job for about 63 of the 70 laps. I think, I need to look at the stats here, but I think he led, I don't know, 50-something laps of the 70-lap race. And, he, and the tire strategy, the way it worked out is that Rossi... I think he went 22 laps on his first set of tires, and then he went about another, oh, 24, 25 laps. But Ryan Hunter-Ray pitted a little bit early. He pitted about seven, excuse me, later. He pitted about seven laps later, and so he had fresher tires. And so with about, oh, I guess it was about 11 laps to go, Ryan Hunter-Ray started just just closing the gap yeah it's like just haunting well the gaps were over two seconds a lap or right about two seconds a lap and by lap 10 he was on alexander rossi's bumper like crazy and then you saw it you saw the first one when rossi locked up and you saw that little puff of smoke front left tire and you went "Uh uh-oh and then about another lap later you saw a little bit bigger lock up and you said oh no is this you know, is magic smoke escaping. Yeah. And then with seven to go, Rossi locks up the tires completely and goes into the runoff and Ryan Hunter Ray goes around him and and uh and he had at that point he had plenty of push to pass left and nobody was even close and he was those lap times he not only were his lap times two seconds faster than Rossi, but he was like a second faster than anybody on in the field for the entire day. The uh oh man, the heartbreak for Alexander Rossi is that Less than two laps before, they said, just think big picture. Think big picture. You think about the entire season is what they're telling him. Don't get caught up in one race. You're leading. And, uh, you know, the, the guys brought up a good question, Eddie Cheever. Is, uh, was that a team order? Yeah, it sounded like a team <laughs> you know, order. It's kind of like uh, what we didn't say, but I guess, you know, they, they don't like to issue team orders either. But they were right. Think big picture. Well, I think he thought big break and lockup. Uh, yeah, you know, th- telling a, a competitive race driver, think big picture. I mean, he's out there with Ryan Hunter Ray on his bumper going, I've got, I, you know, I can't let him pass. I can't let him pass. But obviously his tires were nowhere near Ryan Hunter Ray's. And, and, you know, the race just ended about an hour ago. I haven't heard anything beyond that. I haven't heard that there was any other issue with the car. You know, there, they, he did have that, that left front tire go down at the end, after that. But I, I did see Indy had tweeted out saying that that was that that was due to the lockup. So I haven't heard any any other problems with the car, and I'm assuming and, and he did he did join the race again. And I think he finished what about twelfth, something like that. So he did he did, but uh, you know it, it's just heartbreaking. He was right there. We knew he was going to be there. 
And then to see that happen. Yeah, it was uh, it was not ugly. I mean, it was ugly and not fun to see Rossi not win the race like that. After I was rooting for him after that long of a race, but man, you got to give it to Ryan Hunter Ray. But so, what about some of the other stories less from IndyCar? Because I mean, it it was mostly dominated by the the first the Corvette story, and then but mostly dominated by Alexander Rossi doing leading most of the race. But what else caught your eye? Oh, you know there. The interesting thing is, so, you know, on a street course, they'll totally max out downforce to try to just manage things. And uh, I don't think this, the new Euro pack is uh, working for them as well on a street course, you know, especially this one. It's a bumpy course. You saw them bouncing all over the place. Say the least. And so, uh, you know, that's just jarring their kidneys. But having control of it, you know, is a result honestly, of more downforce that they have. And it's obviously when they pulled that away. Did you know there is approximately a 1,000 pounds less downforce on the Indy cars this year? I heard that on the commentary today. I was like, wow, that's a huge number. That's a lot. That's a huge number to be a delta. That's a a ginormous number. You bet, you bet. So I I think that was, uh, I think we saw that some just because things were sloppy on everybody. I mean, they were really bouncing around. But it it really looked almost like this was a you know stadium super truck seeing these these open wheel cars getting so airborne and seeing all the the uh, deflection they were dealing with. You know, one thing we hadn't even talked about was race one on Saturday when Scott Dixon won and looked awfully strong there. And it was, uh, I mean, Scott obviously another one of those consummate professionals, and of course he tied uh, it's his forty second victory and and. And he's now tied for third all time. I mean, that is a serious number. He's behind uh, Mario, some guy named Mario Andretti. And the other one is escaping me right now. But third all time tied now. And so Scott Dixon, it was uh, was a great race. And another big story, and we've got a little clip, we've got a little interview uh, that we did with Santino Ferrucci. You know, he's the Haas F1 development driver. He's also racing currently in Formula 2. By the way, have you you seen the difference between Formula 2 cars and Indy cars? They're both V6 twin turbos. Right. There's a little more power in the Indy cars because I think the Formula 2 cars make about 620. But but Santino Ferrucci looked good this weekend, looked good in qualifying and looked good in race two. You know, I mean, in race one, excuse me. But race two is when... The, the pressure finally got him, and he did. I, uh, he did. He got taken out uh, in race one. Yeah, I, I may have jinxed it. How, how's that? I texted him and told him happy birthday. Way to blow out the candles. <laughs> Good luck. So he's going to call you and blame it on you. Yeah. Anyway, so Santino Ferrucci, he did. Uh, he got spun out. Who was it um, that spun him out? Uh, uh, was it Charlie Kimball that spun him out? Ooh. Dang! But anyway, veterans so, at this. But he looked good. He had he was he qualified like uh, way up there, like tenth or eleventh. So Santino Ferrucci looked good in IndyCar up until the the race two, and he was doing good in the race. And uh, but he uh, came out of the pits and spun out, and and so he did not. I think he finished like twentieth. I think it was, was official official finish. So, but. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic weekend for Indy, really, in my mind, because anytime it's a street circuit, I love that for Indy. And Bell Island is a great uh, location venue for IndyCar. Yeah. 
and it's fun to watch. I've that. been up there, but for whatever reason, I don't make it out there. You know, are we going to do some uh, Speed City road trips and and go catch a few of these next year? These are these well, are awesome road courses. Well, Mister Green was up there. He's representing Speed City up there. You know, Jonathan was up there doing the Trans Am series because that was a support series for IndyCar, and so he was up there doing Trans Am. Man, did he drive the pace car there? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that. I made the exact same joke to one of the IndyCar people about Jonathan driving the pace car. I think it's because we've both seen him drive on the street. That's why. I've seen him drive a Corvette in the street, and it scared me. <laughs> I wouldn't be anywhere near him in a Corvette on the street. All right, we're not going to let him hear this. We're going to clip all this out when we put it up as a podcast. Uh, hey, guys, why is the show only 22 minutes long? <laughs> all right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk MotoGP because we're going to have Vito from Ducati Austin talk about Ducati's huge day in the Italian Grand Prix. Some technical questions for Vito. Yeah, stay tuned. You're listening to Speed City Live in Austin. Back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education for 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. The right choice for breaking news first. Talk 1370. The right choice. Hi, I'm Santino Frucci, driver of the number 17 Trident Motorsports F2 car, Haas F1 development driver, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. That was Santino up at Indy with the Indy cars in the background. You know, I, I was just telling somebody, they were like, you know, so you know Santino. I was like, yeah, yeah, what, what's he like? And I said, oh, he's a nice guy. And I said, Funniest thing I can recall is last year during the Buxton Bash, Santino standing out in front of the venue, which is on 6th Street, Austin's big party row, and he's just standing there looking up and down the street. And I said, hey, you know, are you all right? And he goes, I've always heard about Austin's 6th Street. <laughs> Poor guy, he's only 19 years old. <laughs> That's old. it. You have to look at it from out here. Not old enough to be there. <laughs> all right. Well, don't forget, we've got the winner of the IndyCar race, Ryan Hunter-Ray, coming on at about 740-ish. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be excited to talk to him. But right now, we're going to talk two wheels, MotoGP. 
was in Italy, and where would a, a better place for Ducati to go one-two was at the Italian Grand Prix. And we have a gentleman who knows a bit about Ducatis on the line, Vito from Ducati Austin. Welcome back to Speed City, Vito. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Uh, we're doing, doing great. Right. How are you? Great. He's happy, and, and not just because of the MotoGP race. Yesterday, I stopped by. Didn't even get to speak to the guy. He's busy delivering new Ducatis out the door. That, awesome. And that was it. And uh, so, yeah, if you haven't been out to the dealership recently, you need to go and check it out. Plus, he just got in a whole fleet of new Ducatis, and they're rolling out the door quick, too. Ooh, awesome. Well, hey, Vito, uh, I've got to ask you, because when Ducati goes 1-2 in MotoGP, uh, that's got to be good for sales, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would hope so, because the uh, new Panigale V4 is really patterned after the MotoGP bike. So hopefully, uh, you know, bring some momentum. Well, tell us what your thoughts are on today's MotoGP race, because with Jorge Lorenzo, I mean, when's, the, this, when's his last race? It's, I mean, when? It's been, what, two, over two years? Something like that, right? Uh, it was actually uh, 2016 at Valencia on a Yamaha. Huh. Yeah, so it's been it's been a while, like, uh, I guess, close to 18 months, over over 18 months. Yeah. And with Dovi right behind him in second, Andrea De Vizioso and... Uh, you know, wh- what do you think? I heard, I heard, uh, Jorge talking about, Jorge Lorenzo talking about his gas tank and the way it, it made him feel more comfortable on the bike. Yeah. They, uh, they changed the ergonomics on the bike and they, uh, re- changed all the gas tank shape. You could, it's pretty noticeable when you saw him down in, uh, Park for May, how, uh, they changed Lorenzo's gas tank because he was having some fatigue issues, I guess, uh, riding the bike and, uh, they got it, you know, as he said, the piece is right. And, uh, he pretty much showed what he could do today. Walked away from the field. Yeah, I think it was uh, a pretty big deal. And but it's interesting. I mean, just kind of some of the things he said about it. And uh, I want to get your take on it. I mean, one, folks, Vito has raced quite a bit himself, especially on the Vito on uh, on the Ducatis. And if you go into the Ducati Austin shop, a lot of times one of his race bikes is hanging out. So it's really cool for that but uh you know we've got a clip i want you to interpret this for us Vito. uh jorge lorenzo talks about the changes for confidence and uh, i want to hear i want you to hear what he actually said in the post-race press conference yeah yeah so many so many critics now in the the last half and a year a lot of suffering many 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 hours of Hard work with uh, with my trainer Ivan, with uh, all my personal staff, Albert, Kike, uh, Claudio, uh, and you know, finally arrive, arrive this this dream. I said yesterday oh, that will be a dream, and finally I did it. I did it with determination, and uh, and finally I got something, some pieces, no, some pieces that give me this this confidence, and I demonstrated, no, what I said was true. So there you go, Vito. Is that all about the fuel tank? Uh, you know, part of it was that. It's ergonomic because, you know, at their level, it's really about also feeling comfortable on the bike because that gives you the confidence to push the bike because, you know, they're on a whole other level than any of us when, you know, we race some amateur races here in the club series and stuff. So, you know, it's about feeling confidence in the way the bike feels, how it pushes, how it turns, you know, and being able to move around. And he had some issues, I guess, with the uh, you know, the feeling of the bike and with the ergonomics, how they changed it around with the gas tank, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, obviously, you know, being able to push to the end of the race because he's, he's led many a races, but 
you know, he's always faded back after, you know, a half dozen laps or so. And this time he was able to push and he was so consistent. He ran 48 the whole race up until I think it was probably the penultimate lap where he finally dropped into the 49. But, you know, he was the old Lorenzo, Mr. Consistency. Yeah, and it's it's true. And, man, you, you could just see it in his face and uh, his tweets and everything else. It's like you could tell that this was, you know, uh, there's been talk of him retiring and everything. I mean, that's a whole yeah. other discussion. Will he stay or will he go? And, uh, yeah. What do you think, yeah, Vito, well, I mean, about that whole scenario? Well, you know, I, I watched the post-race interview, and I actually just watched the race again just uh, before I walked out here to talk to you guys. So I watched it a second time. You know, in his post-race interviews, he's, you know, he's, he's most likely going somewhere else from his interview because he said, uh, you know, if he would have had these pieces, they would have arrived earlier, maybe four months earlier, he would stay at Ducati, and maybe I would have had, you know, he would have had maybe two, three victories, but it's too late, and on the next two years, he'll be on another bike. So, you know, there's <sighs> all the talk of him joining a new, um, a new team that will be riding satellite Yamahas. Oh, wow. So, Interesting. Yeah, but uh, then, uh, you know, Gigi Delina, who is who runs the whole course operation, he says, uh, you know, it's never too late. We'll see what happens. So, uh, you yeah. know, we'll have to wait and see what happens you between know, now Barcelona. Nothing like a win to, to throw all of that <laughs> up in the air. Because, I mean, look, if he were to win or, or be on the podium a few more times, that could completely change all of that. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting because... Uh, you know, he, he did, and he, he dominated the race. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, it, it you know, from what I saw on MotoGP.com, the post-race interview, it's it sounds like he's he's made his mind up that he's uh, he's going elsewhere. You know, I, gotta, I keep going back to the ergonomic fit. I mean, is I wonder, I mean, I've been on, you know, quite a few of the Ducatis, and there are certainly some I'm more comfortable on than others. But I just got to imagine, I, I keep thinking that a MotoGP bike is built you know, and especially the sitting posture for the rider is built like an F1 car. You stick the rider in it and we build them around. Uh, that seems like it's a little bit different if he's still talking about that. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, no, usually, I mean, in the in the preseason testing, when those get, you know, when they are at the end of the season, when their contracts are up at the end of the year, I mean, those first test sessions are really, you know, used to get the seats, the bars, the pegs, Everything set up to that rider, but, uh, uh, you know, obviously it, it didn't really suit him. He had some moments where he, he seemed like he was going, but he would constantly have, you know, fatigue issues. But, you know, uh, I, they must have got it right because he said at the last two tests that he did, you know, he, he it, they made some significant changes to the bike and it got comfortable, felt good. I mean, even myself just going to, you know, doing track days nowadays, like going to Coda, a lot of it's really, you know, getting the bike so it feels good underneath you. So, if you're confident, you can you can push and ride longer and harder, and you know, and uh, be there at the end. Sure, it's just like any I mean, any race racing at a high a high enough level, like you're saying in F1, is that they customize an Indy car. You've seen it where they customize the seats and and make everything perfect for that specific driver rider. So, and, well, and then the fatigue and it reduces all the fatigue, like you're saying. Well, the interesting thing to me is all the telemetry that they have on the MotoGP bikes and just how crazy tricked out and everything that it measures as it's going through turn angles tire speeds uh, you know all of that type of thing that uh, they didn't catch this earlier i mean to even that that they didn't catch the lean angle wasn't quite right for him or something to that nature 
Yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Vito? Uh, I know you have actually played on the Panigale with the tricked out uh, data collection. How far does <laughs> <Yeah>. it go? <laughs> well, it, it's collecting data on the bike, but it doesn't really collect data on what the rider's doing because it's, it's so much different than MotoGP because you're you're moving around so much on the bike compared to like in a Formula car where you're you're sort of you're in place and you're sitting on a bike. It's much more dynamic. And if, when you watch the race, you can see how much different the style is between Lorenzo. He's an extremely smooth, you know, more of a 250 style rider than when you even watch, you know, when you watch further back, you watch Dovey. He moves around a lot more. Or even when you go a little further back, Marquez, is, you know, he, he moves around the bike. He's incredibly, you know, how much he moves on the bike. That's he's sort of got the spider on the helmet kind of thing. It's really he's moving all over the bike and excessive lean angles. And that, that telemetry really doesn't catch any of that. All it catches is what the bike's doing. You know, it's telling you what the lean angle, traction control, gear, you know, acceleration rates and all kinds of how much is suspension moving. But it doesn't really tell you what the rider's doing. And that's that's all in the rider's confidence and, you know, his head, what he what he feels. And it's such a personal thing based on your riding style. Well, what about this home race for Ducati? Uh, the du- Ducatista, or however you pronounce those, uh, have just got to be going crazy. And everybody, what about all your your gang over there at the shop and everybody else in Ducati world? I mean, winning it, winning in Italy is is pretty much as good as it gets, right? Especially with a one-two. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and I, you know, I was uh, you know I was pretty excited that Rossi was on pole, even though I'm a, a Ducati guy. But you know, it's hard not to be a Rossi fan. So yeah, sort of for him to be when he was on pole. You know, maybe to pull it off. You know. You know, he's a 39-year-old guy, you know, me a little older, so I, I was pretty excited. But, you know, Ducati had a great day. You know, Lorenzo was first, Dovi second. And, you know, Petrucci, he had a little bit of fade problems at the end of the day, but he still finished in seventh. So it was, it was a really a great day for Ducati. You know, the the bike was, uh, you know, it holds the top speed over there. They were incredible. You know, they were doing 200, almost 222 miles an hour down that straightaway. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've seen, uh, we saw the... Uh... Uh, the radar gun here in Austin. What was it? Two hundred and fourteen. I think I remember yeah. seeing back in two thousand thirteen. And yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's insane. Well, I did see a story where uh, Valentino Rossi said he said he believes he's still not fast enough to fight for the title this season, despite you know his, his third podium uh, of the season. So, uh, and he's up to second, but he's still not. He still says he's not fast enough to fight for the title. That that seems surprising to me. Yeah, I guess they're still having some issues with the Yamaha, you know, and the rear grip and acceleration and the electronics. They, you know, Rossi has been pretty vocal, I think, about he feels that they're not there. And Vanella, you know, he qualified third, but sort of faded back. But, you know, he ultimately, he, he sort of came back at the end of the race, and he has a really strong second half. So the Yamahas, may, you know, they're just not there. And uh, Mugello, it's it's really got a, a, you know, that straightaway is really a horsepower track. I had the, you know, the the pleasure of last year being able to ride Mugello uh, with the Ducati event. So it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible track and it, it does, it's got a long straightaway and it's a, you know, it's a fast track. Well, there you go, guys. Like I said, uh, there's one more reason we love Ducati Austin. <laughs> you go up there. It's not just, uh, you know, it's not just the bikes. Vito is, is uh, a seasoned racer himself and can really talk technical and stuff on these bikes. Well, Vito, and he's been over there in the homeland. Yeah. Well, yeah. Vito, thanks for coming on again. We appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you over the shop pretty soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks Take care. All right. Talk to you All soon. Right. Ciao. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, I think we're going to get Ryan Hunter Ray, the winner of today's IndyCar race, on shortly after the break. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin, Texas, back after these messages. The Austin East KOA Campground, just 15 minutes from Circuit of the Americas and downtown Austin, and just two minutes from the Travis County Expo Center and Central Texas Fishing in Decker Lake, featuring amenities for every style of camping, from tent sites to luxury RV pull-throughs and cabins, plus a pool, showers, and laundry. Nestled in tall oak trees on the edge of the hill country, all the pleasures of the Lone Star State await you at Austin East KOA. To make your reservation, visit austineastkoa.com. The racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin, and Rolls Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. This is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, man. We are so excited. We sat and watched IndyCar all day today, and the next guest on the phone is the winner of today's IndyCar race. Welcome back to Speed City, Ryan Hunter Ray. We appreciate you coming back. Oh, absolutely. Good to be on. Thank you for having me. Hey, well, congrats. What a day. And we just want to be clear. We know Jonathan Green, our third voice, was there. He was not the guy in the pace car, just just so you don't hold a grudge for us. <laughs> Copy that. Uh, well, Ryan, congratulations on the win today. And, man, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. Watching this race, Alexander Rossi obviously dominating a good bit of the race, uh, and you obviously having a great race up to that point. But starting, I guess, about lap 12, 12 left, I started seeing the lap times. I was going, man, Hunter Ray's lap times are crazy faster than Alexander Rossi's. I mean, approaching two seconds. And and when you started seeing those lockups in Alexander Rossi's car, was that kind of like blood in the water on the shark? I think you probably knew what was about to happen. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I, at the beginning of that last stint, when I put on those new tires, um, I, kn- I knew it was uh, we had to go 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 hard and go strong so my engineer told me on the radio he said hey you're gonna catch him by the end of the stint and i i couldn't believe him though because i couldn't see any cars on the straightaway it was there was nobody else out there so uh i just kept my head down kept going then all of a sudden i saw alex then it was you know it was a full straightaway then a half straightaway then a quarter straightaway just kept catching him and i knew at the rate that i was catching him i was gonna have to find my way by it was gonna be tricky though um he's obviously really good really talented kid and um uh, yeah, but at the rate I was catching him, so I started just pushing him in the areas that he he was a bit weaker than than we were, and I just kept pushing that area, kept kept trying to force him into a bit of an error. I saw some brake lock, and that brake lock kept getting worse and worse lap by lap. So just kept the pressure on. The rest is history, and uh, just really proud of this team. Uh, you know, it's been a long time coming for us, so this one feels good. Oh uh, yeah, it's been awesome, and you know Detroit always uh, just amazes me. But it looks rough. We saw some of the visor cam 
footage today, and it looks really rough. And I want to say it actually looks rougher this year than before. Now, that there may have been some adjustments to the track, but we've got a big difference in aerodynamics. Did you recognize any difference with the current package? No, I, I mean, I could feel the less downforce. You're just, you know, you're, you're kind of more, as we call it, on top of the racetrack where you're just kind of sliding around a little bit more, a bit busier behind the wheel. And I think that's probably the action that you're seeing on the in-car shots. But the bumpiness is about the same. Um, it's just violent. Uh, it really is around here. With all the kickback, we have no power steering. So every bump we go over the with, with those big, sticky Firestone tires, um, they grip and they let go. And you're just constantly fighting this thing. So doing two races here is brutal. I'm definitely ready yeah. to hang up the helmet for a day or two, and then head to Texas. Yeah, I heard uh, Les talking about how rough it is over there, and I know you've done this before. I heard Santino Ferrucci after, I think it was after qualifying, saying, man, I am, he was beat up. He said he feels like even his internally he was so beat up from that track. So uh, you veterans, uh, you, you can show up those young guys even. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, it, it's great having the experience. You just know know what to do with these places. You know, it, it's tough for a guy like uh, Ferrucci to come over from Europe and having these really nice, pristine paved tracks, <laughs> and then they 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 jump in a 800 horsepower Indy car on a on a track like Detroit, and it's like, oh my god, what did I get myself <laughs> into? But uh, it's um it's good fun. It's it's good American street racing. That's what we love about it. Well, it was a fantastic race to be a spectator today, watching and. And I really was astounded. I mean, I was like you. When, when I saw after that, all the pits were done, I, and even the commentators on television were saying, yeah, they, if, if the race ends in this, they were talking about championship standings. And then and everybody was going, how is Heinrich Hunter Ray doing this? In fact, I wrote in my notes, I was like, how were you so fast today? Because not only were your lap times faster than Rossi's at the end there, I think your, lap, your fastest lap time was like a full second faster than anybody's fastest lap time all day. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, that, that saying of being in the zone. Well, in racing, you have to be in the zone mentally, but you have to also have to be in the zone with your car. And when you can find that sync, that measuring up where you can get the car doing exactly as you need it to, and you're firing on all cylinders, the car is as well. That's what we had today. So it, it happens somewhat rarely, but when it does, I, I think that's, that's the result is you just, um, you know, you can take it to another level. Well, you know, we're still basically early in the season. And, uh, you know, by that point, you're not that far off the front. How, what are some things that you're going to take with you mentally to Texas when you get here and set up? Are you, is Texas a favorite for you? Do you have to consider something different on this giant, what, eight degree bank? (laughs) Yeah, it's totally different. I mean, we just went from Indianapolis 500, you know, motor, (laughs) you know, two, two and a half mile oval to the, to the bumpy streets of uh detroit and then we're going to the high banks of texas i mean we're, we're getting everything thrown at us within a couple of weeks here so it's really tough as drivers you know to kind of get in, in sync and that's what i love about the series it's a mix of every different dri- driving discipline that's what makes the series so unique and so it makes the champion in the end a true driver's champion so uh, looking forward to get back to texas though i was born in dallas so i claim it when i'm there oh there you go i didn't i didn't know that part well good 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 well you know yep. if, you, if you're gonna be in texas you might as well just swing on down here to austin yeah you know, play it's just a piece on, or two down the road. Down, play on the circuit of the Americas. I love Austin. <laughs> I've spent some time in Austin uh, back when I did a lot with Livestrong, and I, I absolutely love Austin. Right, uh, we can see that building from here. We had a race there. Have yeah. you, uh, have you I, seen a race here 
Indy and Austin. <laughs> Coda. Hmm. I think uh, there's got to be something built Some guy on there. up in Eddie in Dallas is going to have an argument with you about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan, have you actually spent any time behind the wheel on Circuit of the Americas? Have never been there. It's a shame, um, but I've never been there. There's no reason to because I, I, IndyCar doesn't race there right now. So, um, yeah, hopefully soon. I, I can't wait. I've seen it on, on uh, TV, and trust me, I'm, I'm eager to get behind the wheel there. All right. Well, maybe you can bring that uh, that ZR1 that's got some body damage. <laughs> the good one. <laughs> Ryan Hunter-Ray, thank you so much for coming on Speed City. We really appreciate your time this afternoon. Congratulations and best of luck in the championship for the rest of the season. And uh, maybe one of our boys will be up in Dallas and come see you next weekend. Yeah, thank you, guys. Anytime. Appreciate it. You bet. Travel safe. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. There you go. I, gosh, if we had only thought of that, Indy cars in Austin, at, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, a uh, street that, race would be cool, but you know, well, we got a little circuit here. Might as well use that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've almost forgot about that. But you know what? He really was crazy fast, and I love what he said about absolutely about being in the zone. I mean, we know this. We, we everybody talks about every weekend, whatever car, whatever circuit you're at. Yeah, we're we're good this weekend, and. And, you know, because I've had people ask that are learning motorsports, they say, well, why are they so fast here? And I mean, look at Haas F1 sure. at, at Monaco. They were just absolutely miserable yep. and look so good at other circuits. But when you've got the driver in the zone, the car in the zone, air quotes. Well, well they said the Mercedes was not good for Monaco. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but, but the way he talked about it is it is exactly right where the setup of that car fits that circuit Maybe even on that day, you know, maybe with temperature, humidity, rain, whatever. So it is where a car is in the zone just as much as a, a person can be Fantastic. any athlete. And I thought it was interesting. He was talking about being on top of the track, which it sounds like you you, ride, you drive a little looser and you kind of let the car do what it's going to do over those bumps and, and not fight it so much. Just kind of uh, hold the grip a little bit loose and let it go. I, I was That's a great description because I was thinking when he said that, riding on top of the track, because there is so many bumps on that thing that... It is. That's a great description. You kind of let the car do what it's going to do, and deal with it when you do have traction. Keep it out of the wall. Yeah, keep it out of the wall, <laughs> especially on the warm up lap. <laughs> oh, Our poor that poor GM at. Uh, oh, I know, uh, I know. Our intern Matt did some research. He says uh, a little clip about Mark Reese. Uh, it says a lifelong audio enthusiast, a certified industrial. Uh, test driver on the north course of the Nurburgring ring so the guy's got some cred right he's licensed for fiac and imsa road racing and his first car was a 67 camaro and but okay you know what really sucks about this he better not blame the car <laughs> he can't blame the car <laughs> <laughs> just just take your hat off yeah and and give it up how can you spin this if you're chevrolet let's say you've got this brand new 720 horsepower blame the tires there you blame go. the tires it. blame the tires blame something else everybody always hates tire manufacturers anyway just blame the tires uh i actually spent some time this morning in a uh, corvette with about 450 rear wheel horsepower a, a c5 z06 and why are you going backwards was, to, to a C5. We're in C7s now, dude. I know, We're man. talking about a mid-engine I, next. I'm just okay, yeah, we've it. talked about it since the 70s, but why? <laughs> because I, the, just something about the C5 Z06, you know, how light it was, just a little like 3,100 pounds. And this one with 446 rear-wheel horsepower was a rocket, man. It well, was, you know I'm kidding because I, know, I, I know, prefer I the older one. Anyway, it is lighter. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, to me, honestly, more of a driver's car. 
I mean, yeah. you know, we, we're teasing about the GM exec, and he's obviously got the credentials to be there. But, uh, you know, skill is not an option at the dealership. Have it when you arrive, please. <laughs> yeah, please don't end up on. So think of it this way. How many of those YouTube videos have we seen from guys leaving cars and coffee? This is this is like that times a okay, million. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> poor guy. He, you know, now the Mustang guys, you know, are all over him because they're the ones that always <laughs> get promoted around. Yeah, the Mustang guys are the are the quintessential. You know, come out of the parking lot, burn tires, and flip around, and then bend two rims on the curb across the street. Oh, but putting that thing into the wall uh, today—that that was, was painful. Just, yeah, that was painful. And, and like I said, we want to reiterate: it was not Jonathan Green. I did immediately run to Twitter when I saw that. I was like, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you know, people are saying about nuts. that. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. But when we come back, I want to I want to talk some more about the discussion that we've had over the last few weeks about Formula One and some things going on in Formula One, and including Miami and uh, some of the changes that Liberty Media has been doing. And we're going to probably squeeze what about in. Formula One going somewhere else? Someone uh, from Formula One. There you go. We're going to talk some more about all of that. So maybe even a little more about a GP. So stick with us through the break. Listen to Speed City here in Austin. Back after these messages. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education for 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe, on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, no matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Listen to your favorite shows. Keep up with the latest breaking news and more anytime at Talk1370.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. My name is Christina Nelson, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we talked MotoGP, we talked IndyCar. I want to talk some Formula One. I know they're off this week, Canada next weekend. And remember, if you want to hear our pre and post shows, we do pre and post race around uh, the play-by-play. And just check it out on our website for all the details, speedcitybroadcast.com. And you can find out how to tune in, where to tune in, and when to tune in. 
but it's Canada, so it's not going to be in the middle of the night. It's not going to be in the early morning. It's going to be in the middle of the day. So that's right. Yeah, I think uh, I think our pre race will kick off. I think it's noon, if I'm not mistaken, and then the race at one ten central. Next, yeah, central time. So, uh, but I want to talk about a little bit about uh, some of the scenarios that are going on right now with how the the big news when Miami was announced was the fact that it's going to be a different deal. Now, nobody that's – I don't think that anybody has actually confirmed exactly how, what this deal looks like. We had the mayor of Miami on the show, and he you talked – You don't to, talk about your hand in a poker game, sir. That's exactly <laughs> right, Mr. Kaiser. You hit the nail on the head. But everybody out there in the media anyway are saying that it's going to be a different world, that Formula One is going to not just demand the gazillions and millions of dollars – and then say, give us the keys to the circuit and we'll run a race and you figure out how to make money. But it's going to be more of a partnership. And it's a dramatic shift. But if you look at the way Formula One now under, under Liberty Media, uh, we've heard some good interviews with Sean Bratchers, you know, who's basically running the show. And, the, and it, talking about the difference in the way they're going to run this thing rather than the way Bernie ran it. Because essentially... The way he described it, they had no commercial division within Formula One. Where, where, what I mean by that is, is yes, Bernie and them ran great races, right? Let's say, they, sure. You know, you can argue what, however much you liked or didn't like. Bernie did a good job, and he and the company made money, and it's been around for seventy years. But we all know that they had no, there was no commercialization. Like, there was no social media. There was barely a website. And and if you recall, you couldn't even advertise on Formula1.com. Go to IndyCar.com right now or go to any other right. any other major motorsports or any other sports for that matter. And there's plenty of places to advertise on the website, plenty were, of places to – but there, there was virtually no place to advertise except on the cir- at the circuit on the, on the fences. And I think that was kind of a control element of Bernie – because that he could control. He could, and quite literally, if you ever visit the Circuit of the Americas and you're parked out in lot A or you enter through that area and you go through tunnel one, you'll see a sign up there. And it was you know, Jean Paul de Joria and family are big supporters and contributors, investors for CODA. And they put up, you know, one of their slogans peace, love, and happiness. And it's a cool little sign, or, you know, that's above the tunnel and you know, promoting the charity. Yeah. Big deal. That had to be taken down the first year yep. because Bernie was coming through and he saw that and said, take it down. That is the level of scrutiny that went on under that regime, if you will. And that's how things got so detailed in what is going on on the property of the race. Yeah. And I'll tell you just something else, too, is that even little old Speed City here before we were even on any sort of national platforms – we were told that Bernie said this about what you're doing. I mean, and I'm thinking, wow, that that's amazing that this guy is involved to that, that level. Connected. To yeah. Involved down to the level of our little, you know, I don't know if that's at that point yeah. it was just a local show. So, but I want to go back to the, the advertising itself because, you know, there's been some discussions, people saying, well, how are they going to make money if they're not going to charge, you know, $40 million uh, every year for a race like Bernie did. Well, when you when you have only one revenue stream like Bernie did, uh, you know, mm-hmm. essentially one and a little bit of track advertising. If you change that that model, then there's plenty of revenue platforms. Like, for example, um, Sean Bratchers was talking about the new web 
platform that they're going to have. And uh, so that's one as- aspect. You've seen that they've gotten heavily into esports. They've gone completely full speed ahead on digital. And as we saw last year, and they may, they may still be, Formula One is the fastest growing social um, sports entity across all sports. So it, it's a dramatic, uh, it's a dramatic change. And so there's all those different types of, of revenue. I mean, and also they, uh, they they had no pre and post role on videos. You know, when you start a video, you have an ad running before it. Formula One wasn't doing any of that, and they they had they had no social media not long ago. And now look at the YouTube channel, and now look at what they're doing with Will Buxton and and doing all of the. Um, and doing the the uh, what you call F one TV F one TV Pro the OTT these, network and and it is it's an awesome thing the way it's changing you're going to be engaged more as a fan you've got different things that you can do on the website and following the media etc so I think you know there, there's a big difference coming up we've already heard that uh, you know it looks like we're going to have a fan fest in Austin again for yeah. the general public I think that is huge. You know, especially with, you know, and I think that's a direct result of Liberty Media being involved with it. I think there's going to be activity in Miami as well that will coincide this year, you know, as they build up for the races next year. And I I think that's really important. You know, uh, Miami is essentially where we were a few years ago in, in 2011 and 2012 teaching an audience what's the difference for F1. Because there are going to be people that are just here and they hear the noise and they see it in the paper and they, you know, don't really know it. They know IndyCar. You know, I couldn't tell you how many times. Well, is this like NASCAR? Will NASCAR be here? Well, not necessarily. I, I would love it if they would do that, but <laughs> I'll take it, man. I would oh, love, yeah. I'd oh, yeah. love to have NASCAR here, but obviously oh, yeah. that's not going to happen. But uh, you, you were talking about Miami, and when we had the mayor of Miami on the show, I, it was fascinating to hear the hear them in the process exactly where Austin was in about 2011, right? Kind of like I know this song. <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty funny because he was in that starry-eyed, not that, that that's a bad thing at all because it's a great thing, but I, I just wondered whether or not he knew the battles that lay ahead of him and how much the challenges uh, but hopefully they can learn some stuff from Austin. In fact, they could call us and we could tell them a whole lot about how to get that done in, in we Miami. We do that. We know people. But uh, no, you're exactly right. I, you know, I love that there's another race. I got asked, you know, out one evening, what do you think of another U.S. race? Is that a problem for Austin? I said, no, not at all. Yeah. You know, the, the only issue that I have back is where it lands in the calendar. Yeah. That is it. I would like to see, you know, Miami and, I don't know, New Mexico City be together on the schedule that they're far enough apart. And I'd like to see, you know, Canada and Austin be closer to each other on season. And that way, you know, we've already got the logistics of the uh, F1 circus coming to this continent twice a year. So how about just move one of the races up, you know, move move Austin up to the spring, get it away from Mexico City. Well, stay tuned to Speed City because we're going to continue to pursue this side of Formula One, not just obviously what happens on the track and following Haas F1 and all the other teams, but we're going to try to follow the business side of this and the political side of it. And, and it is really fascinating to hear an American company try to take this in a different direction. And I'm pretty optimistic, uh, I'm especially after hearing more about about all of their plans. So 
but Les, I know you had a story you you wanted to talk about that, that blends that uh, Formula One and Indy cars about McLaren. You bet. Zach Brown is on the prowl from McLaren. Uh, he was in Detroit this week and uh, is looking at McLaren coming to Formula One. Uh, excuse me, coming to Indy, but not leaving Formula One. So uh, this is an added growth for McLaren. Should be really, really interesting. I'm excited to see what they're doing. And they spoke to Chevrolet and Honda both. And so uh, that I begin to question around that. Why are you speaking to both? Are you not going to come over with a Honda engine? Are you going to float around the options for Chevrolet? Uh, you know, I think Zach is over here doing a, a, a discovery, if you will, yeah. on the sport and the business off track. So I'm really looking forward to uh, following that story and seeing what comes up of it because, uh, you know, Zach Brown has uh, really stirred up McLaren and the folks really seem to like them. But, uh, you know, uh, speaking of McLaren, we would be remiss not to mention Mr. Fernando Alonso oh, and what yeah. he's been up to this week. Uh, he's going through his FIWEC testing and all the things that he has to do, and he was out in the Toyota and was the fastest run of the day during test this week. Well, I'll, I mean, yes, that's true. He ought to be, is what I was about to say. He, he should be in the, in the Toyota. But, but yeah, that's awesome. I love, and you know, that's got it. That's where that's where he wants to be. Is at the fastest, the sharp end of whatever sport he's in. So, hey, I want to play a short clip because we Jonathan did a really long interview with Santino Ferrucci up in IndyCar. We just got a little little one minute segment of that. That I want to play, and then I'll tell you how to hear the rest of it. Let's hear uh, Jonathan's interview with Santino Ferrucci. It's definitely different being back home on, uh, you know, American soil, stuff like that. I got to drive out here. It's just something completely new to me because I absolutely refuse to fly because I fly way too much. But uh, just to be here, it's something spectacular. There's so much better atmosphere, so much more relaxed. You know, I'm just really happy and, you know, very sunny side up. Well, let me just talk about that, because obviously you're in the throes of a very important season for you in your career, and having followed it for as long as we have, um, this is a critical year for you. F2, it's a big championship, all the wannabes, as it were, for F1. You've got a contract with Haas. They're watching you. Um, it looks as though they're also looking after you in F2 and tried it by, 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 you know, by being the junior team. Um, tell us um, what made you decide to come in the middle of a season, kind of like Alonso, to Indy? I mean... I just for the diversity of it, to be honest, and I wanted to try IndyCar. Obviously, it's a it's a great career path as well. I mean, I'm still fully focused on Formula One and trying to make it there. This is just something to help me get a little bit more seat time. Uh, the cars are quite similar in a way. There's a couple of different characteristics, but driving a Formula car is driving a Formula car, and uh, to have an opportunity in a top team like Dale's is uh, not something that comes along very often. So. There you go. It's going to be fun to watch him. And if you have been following Santino in Formula 2, he's done okay so far. He's just getting started over there in Formula 2. But uh, he's racing with the Trident team. And his car is essentially, uh, it's got the livery of the Haas F1 cars. So it's uh, it's fun. if you and, and remember that you can catch all of the Formula 2 races on ESPN, just like you can all the Formula 1 races on demand and everything. So... And and we're going to start. We're going to be doing some Formula Two coverage on the radio as well. So stay tuned to our social and check our website and all that. You know, there's there's a lot of things going on, and I I love just the access. We, we were talking about liberty, what you're getting to see, what uh, what the interactions can be. Uh, similarly related, 
there was a really cool video done by Pierre Gasly, who was wearing camera embedded glasses out on a run at Monaco. And it was awesome. I loved it because it's it the uh, perspective is correct. You're not way up above his head looking down onto him and looking forward. Uh, really, it's interesting. But, you know, there's another thing that I found interesting about it. You know, I'll, we'll get this video put out here shortly. And uh, the thing that I find really interesting is the view from under the halo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No issues. No issues. I thought that was great. All right. Well, we got this. We're about to run out of time. I want to thank Andy for tweeting at us during the show. I love what he said, though. He said, uh, what a great weekend in IndyCar. He said, gutted for Alexander Rossi, but he's still got a solid shot at the overall title. Of course he does. He's like in third. And he's and uh, but he said uh, it was a great battle and uh, he's he's excited to watch it. But thanks for tuning in to Speed City. Thanks for interacting with us on social media and check our website for all of our coverage of Formula One next weekend. And for the rest of the season, it's uh, speedcitybroadcast.com. Thanks next for, weekend. Yep. Canada Grand Prix. Eh? <laughs> eh? All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.